Hello from the Mystery School in Los Angeles. It's Michael Benner, your host. Today is Sunday, August 18 of 2013, and our topic for the day today is memory skills. I was going to make a bad joke about not being able to remember, but decided it wasn't too, wasn't too funny. Cracked myself up, but memory is an amazing thing. If you reflect on it for a second, if you think about it, the ability to remember, and it is quite variable. I mean, we don't always remember. Sometimes we wonder that we're able to remember anything at all, and people have this self-deprecating humor about, oh, people often say things like, I wouldn't uh, remember my head if it wasn't screwed on, and and such things. And then there are other times when it's really fascinating to reflect upon how much we really do remember our earliest memories and to use relaxation and visualization skills to access deeper and deeper layers of memory and levels of memory and to recognize that there are different memories for thoughts as opposed to feelings, that how something smells has a memory that in many ways is stronger than your memory for how something looks or how something sounds. Two people who've lived together and spent great amounts of time together family members, for example, will nevertheless have very different memories of a particular incident or circumstance and will often tease each other about who's got the better memory. But um, while we do have variable memories and selective memories, uh, I think the selective nature of memory maybe the most fascinating. In other words, why do we remember the things that we remember? It's not that one person has a better memory necessarily, maybe they do, but often it's just that they have a different memory. And what determines what we remember and what we fail to recall? Well, how important it is to us, not so much in terms of what we think about it, but how strongly we feel about it. Memory is located in different parts of the brain, but it has a special affinity for the limbic brain, which is a very primitive, reptilian, survival-based area of the brain it sits at the brain stem and does not rely upon higher brain functions, the mammalian brain or the neocortex necessarily, though, as I say, those cognitive areas do have memory of their own. So how strongly you feel about a... It could be good or bad. It could be something horrible that you remember well maybe more often than you really would like to, because of the strong emotional affect or impact. Or it could, on the other hand, be a wonderful memory. 
uh, the birth of a child or the day you graduated or a big job promotion or who would ever forget the day you won the lottery, right? So strong emotion, whether negative or positive, is going to increase the likelihood that you remember this or that as opposed to somebody who may have been there with you, but they found that this was not nearly as important as something else that happened at that same time. And so their memories are much more vivid around those incidents, situations, events, encounters with other people, relationships, that they find to be the most emotionally impactful. There is such a thing as a blind spot or a tendency of memory to be selective in terms of things we'd rather not want to remember. And just as consciousness itself is selective, what people see and what they don't see from moment to moment reveals an enormous amount about a given individual. Well, what you pay attention to in the moment obviously is going to determine to some extent what you recall after the fact. So selective memory is really a function of selective consciousness in the first place and a part of the nature of personal reality. And by the way, you may be new to this webinar or this podcast series and still not have clear in your mind the very important understanding that your reality is a personal reality. It amazes me how many intelligent people or otherwise intelligent people are walking around in the world influenced perhaps by television and film and believing that we're all watching the same movie, so to speak, that we're all having the same experience of life, that we read the same articles in the newspaper and arrive at the same conclusions and have similar, if not identical, understandings of the objective nature of the world around us. And of course, nothing could be further from the truth. The world is your personal experience of your interface with it. Nobody's having the same experience as you. We could line up uh, eight or ten of your friends on the beach and you could all watch the sunset at the same time. And I assure you, you're going to have ten very different and unique experiences of the sun going down from the point of view of sitting on the beach that afternoon. It's just the way things are. And the more you take responsibility for your subjective and personal perspective and interpretation of life, the more free you become. It liberates you. Initially, responsibility often feels like a burden. Like, oh no, I'm responsible for this and that, and now I'm responsible for my whole reality. <laughs> yes, in fact, you are. And rather than see it as some sort of burden, consider how freeing and how liberating 
it really is, to be in charge of the way you see the world around you. There are many things we can agree upon, and so life does have objective qualities. But if we're going to get along with each other, we have to agree on the subjective nature. In other words, agree to disagree from time to time, not only about what's happening right now, but what we remember about it as well. I hope that's clear. One of the points I wanted to make early on in this podcast about memory, and we'll discuss it in greater detail in the premium program that follows in about 15 or 20 minutes. And that's the idea of, or the importance of how you talk about your memory. I mentioned earlier the disparaging comment you'll hear people make sometimes about, gosh, I'd probably forget my head if it wasn't screwed on. What we don't seem to understand fully is that we have a subconscious mind that is highly suggestible, adaptable, and open to learning, that is listening to us talk this way to ourselves. And if we're self-deprecating and disparaging in the way we speak about our abilities, memory or anything else, then the subconscious mind, and therefore the brain, makes that a reality. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if, simply said, your comment to be a falsely modest person is to use a a, a bunch of self-deprecating and disparaging uh, humor, so-called, and boy, have I got a bad memory. Man, I got the worst memory in the world. I have to write my name down or I'd forget it. I'll tell you, sort of a Rodney, <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield, you know, straighten your tie. I don't get any respect. Your memory will comply and get worse and worse and worse as a result of you telling yourself that your memory is bad and getting worse, and then you'll get evidence for it. You know, in Eastern philosophy, Buddha is portrayed in many positions and states of consciousness, and one is the laughing Buddha, and for hundreds, thousands of years, the debate has been, what's so funny? Why is Buddha laughing? And many people say it's because of the self-fulfilling nature of life itself, that life really mirrors us and cooperates to manifest, you know, thoughts or seeds. And, and just as Christ said, you reap what you sow, Buddha said, intention is your karma, and your attitude, therefore, determines your world outcome and Whatever you believe to be true, life tends to support that belief. Not always, of course, but often enough that the phrase self-fulfilling prophecy is certainly well known. So you want to tell yourself, first of all, that you have a good memory, that your memory is getting better and better all the time, that it'll be easy to remember something. 
it's odd, figures of speech are so odd, people say, well, don't forget, this is just the negative nature of human beings, uh, be sure you do not forget, and of course, if I said, be sure you do not think of a purple elephant with yellow polka dots on it, it's guaranteed you're going to get an image in your mind, maybe briefly, but there is the purple elephant with the yellow polka dots. And so if I say don't think of the American flag, same thing, just pops right into your head in all of its glory. So if I say don't forget, just like don't think of a flag, don't think of a purple elephant, the mind does not know how to do that. It's going to think of exactly what you said not to think of. And that will get reinforced. So don't forget is a suggestion to forget. It's a way of saying to yourself and affirming, yeah, I'm forgetful. And it's quite likely I will forget. It's going to be a struggle not to forget because I'm so stupid and forgetful. <laughs> and then your subconscious takes that suggestion learns it, rehearses it, reproduces the forgetting, and now you have evidence that you're right. So the next time around, you reinforce it. And those learning patterns get burned right into your brain, like grooves or ruts, more like ruts than grooves. <laughs> a, groove you wanna, a groove is a rut you want to be in. A rut runs the other way. You want to get out of it. But uh, ruts or grooves, you get stuck in that negative thought pattern, and it becomes self-fulfilling. So phrases instead, like it'll be easy to remember, or I've got a really good memory, right? One of the things I want to talk about at length in the premium training, but I'll mention right here in the free uh, forum, is remembering to remember. We're going to talk about remembering names in the premium training. We're going to talk about remembering long lists. We're going to talk about remembering in the way you study for school or for an exam or an oral board. I had a professional come to me the other day and do some work to help him prepare for an oral exam in a career he'd been in for 19 years. And he was very good at what he did, but he had to meet with this board of three people who were going to test him and quiz him to see if he was the best candidate for a promotion. And it was like studying for a test in college or something. And so I helped him with his confidence, with his demeanor, with his attitude, and gave him a relaxation and visualization skill or technique that he could use to practice so that when the actual interview came up, it would feel like, well, I've already done this a bunch of times, and I did it really, really well every time. In fact, I'm getting better and better and and better. You can see, I think, how this kind of awareness really separates the uh, great from the good. 
And if you want to go, as Jim Collins said, from good to great, if you want to make that leap, this is one of the concepts you're going to have to get clear, the importance of affirming your skills and your talents, believing in yourself, and using guided imagery, sometimes called visualization, in states of deep relaxation, to practice, to rehearse, and to accelerate the learning process. Very, very smart thing to do. When you do remember something, don't say, oh, I just forgot. (laughs) It's amazing that people do this. Let's say your uh, briefcase or your uh, notebook or something, and you only get three feet out the door. You're only halfway to the car in the morning. It's not like you drove halfway down the freeway before you realized that, oh, I'm going to need that. And you run back into the house, and somebody meets you on the way in, and you say, yeah, I forgot my notebook. I forgot my briefcase. Well, No, you just remembered your briefcase. You might say, I'm picking nits here, and how important could this really be? Well, I'm telling you, it's very important to break the pattern of putting yourself down, even though it's common in our culture To say, oh, I forgot, when what you really mean is I just remembered. I'm going to ask you to make it a point to replace that pattern with the far superior affirmation or statement. Yeah, I just remembered. You know, I closed the door and I locked it and I got halfway to the car and, oh, it just popped into my mind, the briefcase. I left my briefcase. What a good memory I have. And I reversed my 15 steps, unlocked the The door went in the house, got my briefcase, whatever. What a good memory. That is so superior to putting yourself down and saying, I just forgot. Even if you think it doesn't matter, please understand that it does. I have a feeling that because you're listening to these free forum podcasts and personal and spiritual development, you understand that consciousness is magnetic, more even than thoughts, more even than your speech. It's your awareness that is magnetic and empowers or stands at the core of that principle we call the law of attraction or the law of correspondence or the law of reciprocity or you reap what you sow or what goes around comes around, and you got to give to receive and treat others as you'd like to be treated. And for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. You find it in physics and laws of motion, and it's just a basic principle of life. Love and you shall be loved. It's simple. You want love in your life? Go give it away. Go love somebody. If you sit there wishing somebody would love you, all you're going to attract is other lonely people. (laughs) We're all going to sit around wishing somebody would love them. So get these principles clear in your mind. 
it's really not about new cars and big houses and attracting a lot of money. It's about understanding that your ethics and your values and your morals are also magnetic and that like attracts like and that you must initiate the process. So when you do have a short-term lapse of memory and you become aware, you realize, you remember shortly after you would have ideally wanted to recall, tell yourself you have a good memory. Don't beat yourself up. Oh, I just remembered. Not I forgot what a, what a moron I am. Now, I mentioned briefly remembering to remember. We have time to touch on this a little bit, and then I hope you'll join us in the premium training at 1030 Pacific today, or by replay on demand. If you register in the next few days, you'll still get the URL for today's program. Remembering to remember is a process of using guided imagery and visualization as well. And you can do this quickly and briefly. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's no big deal. You just want to take a breath and relax and close your eyes and jump ahead in time as if moving forward in time to a point when you will want to be aware of the need to remember. So let's say, on the way home from work today, I want to remember to swing by Home Depot and pick up some hardware, some parts that I need. And I rarely ever go there, so I'm not sure how to remember. I could write a note, but then how would I remember to look for the note or read the note? What am I going to do? How will I remember? All you have to do is pause right there, right then. Take a breath, exhale, close your eyes, and visualize that point on your drive home where you would leave your usual route and make the turn that would take you to the hardware store. And imagine, as if running a movie in your mind, yourself at that point instantly remembering, oh, this is where I turn to go to the hardware store. I remember now I want to pick up those parts on the way home today. In fact, it's really important that I do. And then you say to yourself silently and internally, well, that'll be easy to remember. And let it go and you don't have to give it another thought until you're driving home and you still haven't given it another thought. And suddenly you come upon that point and it just pops right into your head. Oh yeah, I got to go to the hardware store. This is where I need to make the turn. That's remembering to remember. And you'll be amazed how well that works for you, especially with a little bit of practice. Now again, Memory, this is a very long lesson, and if you want tools for remembering lists, and I'm going to teach you how to remember one, two, three, up to ten items without fail, how to have a perfect memory. You can go to 30 or 100, but even if you could do 10 or 15 without fail, 
quickly and easily. I give you a clue. It's visualization. We'll teach you the memory peg technique in the premium training. Also, how do I remember names and associate names with faces? Some people admit readily, gee, I'm really horrible at that. And then they'll say it out loud, and then they get, yeah, that's right, worse and worse at it. Well, how can we turn that around and say, I'm really good at remembering names and associating names and faces? We'll talk about how to do that and a little bit about study technique and performance anxiety. These are accelerated learning skills that we discuss, but not nearly enough. Everybody can benefit from this stuff. So I hope you've enjoyed our free-form presentation. I don't have time to check the feedback or to do a alpha process, but I wanted to shoehorn in a lot of information. Hope you'll understand. And we're going to reheat the coffee and in three minutes join everybody at the premium training. If you're not yet enrolled, you can do so for one class, a 13-week quarter, or a full year at our primary website, theagelesswisdom.com. After the W's, theagelesswisdom.com. Just click on webinars and premium training. You can sign up with your bank card in 60 seconds. And the thank you page and a confirmation email also will have the URL and password you need to join us in about two or three minutes. So we'll see you over there. Of course, this program is podcast and available through our website as replay on demand. And that's true for the premium training as well, as well uh, perpetually available by replay on demand. So listen live when you can. Thanks a lot for being here. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long from L.A.